through 7, uh, Luke chapter 15. I'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read on through verse 7. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake a parable, uh, spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You may be seated. <coughs> with all the... Uh, soul winning that we've been doing, door knocking that we've been doing, and uh, all of those wonderful things, and uh, grateful to the Dukes for just bringing that level of encouragement to that area of the program here, and uh, just so grateful to the Lord that uh, we're getting guests and visitors in the church, and so one of the things that God challenges us with in the scriptures is this, to uh, understand that there is something that really brings joy to heaven. Now, I know we like joy here on earth, but there's something that brings joy to heaven, <laughs> And I know we think about, boy, I, I just want to be happy sometimes or I want to be excited about things. And yet, I'm reading this, I'm saying there is joy in heaven over a soul that repenteth. So this message from Christ, what it does, it demonstrates the stark contrast between man's perspective and the perception of God. When you look at this and you see the contrast, you're saying to yourself, here's men who are murmuring and complaining because here comes a man who claims to be the Messiah that's over here eating with sinners and publicans. And yet, God's perception of things is, those are the ones that need the help, not necessarily the ones that are doing well, uh, but those that are ill, those that are sin-sick need help. And so we see a stark contrast between the two of them. And the key element to this is what we find in the middle, or between the murmuring and the joy. So if you see at the top, you see the Pharisees and scribes murmured. If you look down here in verse 7, uh, it says, uh, uh, Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And you find in the middle, what is it? that they're rejoicing over, it's that that one that was lost was now found. So there was joy. And so between the murmuring and the joy in heaven, there's the sinner that's in the middle. And there are people who complain about sinners and uh, focus on the sinner, but never really look to uh, lead the sinner to Christ or to carry their burden for them. And we'll get to that in just a moment to help bring them to Christ. And so the view of the religious leaders and the writers was a very different point of view than the heart of God for that lost soul. So what we must have is that scriptural view. And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight is that thought of having that scriptural view of the lost. When we go out and we knock on doors, uh, we never know what door we're going to knock on. We never know who we're going to come across. We don't know the attitude behind the door. We don't know the spirit behind the door. We don't know what heart is ready to receive. We don't know what heart is ready to reject. We don't know any of those things when we knock on those doors. When we speak to others about Jesus Christ or try to influence them for Christ, we have no idea what we're going to come across. But you know the exciting thing is when that one soul repenteth, there brings joy to heaven. And so we go and we do what we do because there's a lost world in which we live. And, and listen, we can reach that soul for Christ. And so I'm challenging you with this thought. Would you say about yourself, if God were looking down at you right now, would you say about yourself that I uh, know that there is joy in heaven because I'm doing what God wants me to do? 
Is there joy in heaven because God sees me doing what I know I'm supposed to do? It's hard to witness. How many of you agree with that? Is it hard to witness? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to speak to people about Jesus. Do you know what, Miss Fisher? I just came to the place in my life, and I was telling Brother Duke about this the other day. I just don't care anymore. I'm going to tell him about Jesus. <laughs> I had the joy the other day. I have asked the Lord to allow me to speak to at least one person every day about Jesus Christ, about their soul condition. I was over in Anna. Miss Ann. I was over in Anna. I go to the Speedway now. I quit going to the Marathon. I'm going to the Speedway now because it's closer, you know, so I come down 119, so I'm hitting, them, hitting the Speedway over there. I walked into the store, and as I got out of my truck and I was walking into the store, the Anna police uh, vehicle was sitting there, and there was a Jeep there. It was parked uh, back and backwards into the slot, and these two men were standing there talking, and I just had it on my heart. I thought I needed to speak to that officer. So I went in, and Delayed, 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 and became a delay fish and was getting my coffee and fixing it all up and everything, and I closed it up, and I came out, and the Jeep was gone, and the officer said, hello, man, how are you? I said, I'm doing fine, how are you doing? And he said, what's your name? <laughs> God opened the floodgates for me. Now listen, God did that. All I'm doing is asking him to do that for me, and it's happening. I got to witness, do you know Chief Scott Evans? I got to witness to Chief Scott Evans. He's supposed to be here Sunday. How many of you will pray for that now? Amen? And I got to share the gospel with him. He told me he was saved. He then, I asked him, is there anything I can pray for him about? And what he did was, he just said, yeah. And he started just opening up and he took his hat off. And, and I reached inside the vehicle and he took me by the hand and he just, we just started praying together. We never know what the outcome is going to be. But if we never ask... We'll never know. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is what I want to challenge you with, am I doing my part in bringing joy to heaven? We are able to please the Lord. I, I look at that and I'm thinking, that pleases God. When I witness and they repent, that pleases the Lord. So if I do my part, it pleases God when they repent. And, and I'm saying that with our action, we bring joy to heaven by bringing the sinner to Christ so that they may repent. And so I looked at this and I thought to myself, I've heard this preached so many different times. And yet there are three specific actions that occur regarding a sinner. There's the murmuring about the sinner. And by the way, it's easy to stand up here and preach about the sinner, isn't it? We can just blah, 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 I'm bad, and they're this, and they're that, and we can just tear them down. And, and there's the murmuring about the sinner. And then there is the one that says, you know what? That one sinner is mine. I'm going to go get him. And when he does, I want you to notice something in the middle of this passage here. It says this, it says, and uh, when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. I want you to underline that in your Bible. When he finds that sheep, he layeth it on his shoulders. And here's the challenge to us. How many of us are willing to bear the burden of that sinner to help him come to Christ? How many of us are willing to carry that load to bring them in to Christ Jesus? And then lastly this... <laughs> I look at it and it says, likewise, joy shall be in heaven. And so there are three things, three different actions that take place. There's the murmur, there's the burden bearer, the searcher, the one that's going out, the one retrieving the individual, and, and there is this joy that takes place in heaven. Three different kinds of actions that take place that bring joy to heaven. So when I look at the murmuring, those who are lost need to get in close proximity to Jesus 
And as believers, we can assist them with this. How many of you were here to see Brother Bennett uh, lift up uh, Brother Steve Schaffner? Uh, he, he didn't do it on his own. He used Chris and Big Love, and, and uh, he used uh, faith, hope, and uh, determination, right? And, and he used you all to help lift that burden. And when I look at this, I'm seeing something here. They're complaining about this, but our responsibility is to try to get them near. Notice it says in verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publican sinners, and notice why they drew near to him. For to what? Hear him. Now, how many of you know in the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, doesn't it? And so we need to bring sinners in close proximity to hear the word of God. So they're out there, they're all around us, and we need to bring them in. And so what our challenge is, is to bring them in. Now, we are not to take the view that we cannot go out among them. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Well, you know, I eat with my family on a regular basis at the dinner table. And I'm talking about my immediate family. And guess what I'm eating with? Sinners. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Amen? And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating with sinners. Now, here's the idea. We're saying, well, they're, they're a lost sinner, so we can't eat with them. We can't be around them. We can't talk to them. That's foolishness. How else are you going to reach them? Now, I didn't say go have Budweiser with them or smoke a joint with them or do anything like that with them, but I said have them over to your house for dinner. Get close proximity to them so that you can help them get in close proximity to Jesus Christ. And so the challenge is that, well, you got these murmurs, and the them are all those in need of the gospel here. And, and I look at this, and he says in verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <laughs> that, the them are the ones that needed. Amen? The, the scribes and the Pharisees thought they were great, and they had it all down, and they had it all worked out. But the them that they're talking about are the ones that needed Christ. And so they said, this is what this Messiah is doing. And I look at this, and I think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they, them, are all around us. Every day they're around us. No matter where you go, whether you're in the workplace or you're in the speedway, you're in the marathon, you're in the grocery store, you're at McDonald's, you're walking down the street. <laughs> and you run into people that need the Lord. And so our challenge is, is what do I do with that? Well, I can just complain about it. Uh, you know, I, I have been guilty of some of this stuff myself, but, you know, you look today and, and, and people are doing a lot of things to their physical body with tattoos and piercings and all those kinds of things. But I want you to know that soul still needs Christ Jesus. And we cannot say I have to push away from those people. I have to draw near to them so that I can bring them in close proximity to Christ. I don't have to become them. How many of you understand what I'm saying? I don't have to become them to win them. So what I want to do is I want to win them with Christ. And, and as I think about this, there are those who will come into contact with people I will never meet unless you introduce me to them. I'll never meet them. I'll never meet them. And the thing of it is, is you will. And you are challenged in your hearts to then say something to them or influence them as much as you can for Christ Jesus. My pastor's coming this weekend, and I'm excited about it. I went down to preach for him for their 45th anniversary, and I shared with those men. There were uh, several pastors there, and I, I just shared with them. I said, you know, with every lasting breath that's in my body, 
I want to witness for Jesus Christ. For every ounce that's left in me, I want to share Jesus Christ with other people. So, Ms. Carol, no, I don't hesitate anymore. <laughs> I just flat out talk to him about it. So what, what do you know about Jesus, and what are you going to do about him? And, and listen, the world needs Christ, and we just need to talk about him. And talk about him because he is alive, amen? He's not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. And, and listen, we don't have to fear what others may think about us. I'm more concerned about, about what he thinks about me. And so I challenge you in your hearts to think about this. Listen to this. A couple of verses I'll share with you. In, in Matthew chapter 9 and, and 10, 11, and verse 11, 19, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And his what? Disciples. So the sinners came and ate with Jesus and his what? Disciples. Now we should be disciples of Christ, amen? And what would be the problem in dealing with these folks or talking to them? And then it says this, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine giver, a friend of publicans and sinners. Now listen to this. This is an amazing statement. But wisdom is justified of her children. Children meaning works there. It's the word works. Now let me tell you what happened here. He makes this statement, and here's the idea. The people were reacting to both John and Jesus' message. And, and listen, they were, they were in contrast to one another in this sense that John, and uh, the way he presented his message, the way Jesus presented his message was just kind of different. But they rejected both of them, didn't they? No matter how the message was brought, they were rejecting it. And so you see this happening. And so when he says that they, they're reacting this way, uh, that these styles, these ministries were def uh, definitely different, but eventually the wisdom of both, now think about this, the wisdom of both would both be justified. <laughs> Amen? What did Jesus say about John? He's the greatest. I mean, there was none like John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist walked through our back door. I think we would escort him back out. I think we would head him back out the door because think about this man. I, I mean, here's a man who's got a skirt around his loins, right? And he's eating locusts and honey. I'm sure you're not going to pull up to the table with that man. You'd have something to say to him other than, you, you know, we might look at him a little bit differently than the way Jesus did, but there was none greater than who? John the Baptist. But both these men's ministries, they rejected it both. Now, I challenge you with this. He said in Mark 2, 15 and 16, And it came to pass that as Jesus was at meat at his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Why is he doing that? I want to tell you why. He was doing it because he was trying to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was reaching them with himself, wasn't he? He was reaching out to them. We have that same responsibility. Now, our goal is to help the lost sinner draw near unto Christ so that they may hear. And you know, folks, whether we go to their doorstep or the workplace or the street corner or bringing them into the house of the Lord, our goal is to get them in close proximity, as close proximity to Jesus Christ as we possibly can. I shared with Brother Dustin this morning, there's nothing more exciting for me than whenever I get the opportunity, someone says, they're willing to let me share the gospel with them. And when I get to open that Bible, I'm telling you, it's like joy tingles from my tips of my hairs all the way down to the toes on the ends of my toes. 
I mean, I cannot handle the fact that I get to open this book and share with them the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he can do for them. And we ought to get excited about this. When you go out among them, it's not just the goal to just get them to come to our church, but to reach them with the gospel and invite them to our church. Does that make sense? It's not just to get them to come to our church. And sometimes we have it in our mind. I just want to win them so I can get them to come to our church. I'm not trying to win them to get them to come to our church. I'm trying to win them so that they can go into the kingdom of God. And then I can invite them to my church. Amen? And the thing of it is, our goal is to, to do that. Now listen, we can murmur and complain about these people or we can try to reach them with the gospel. <laughs> and my challenge to us is sometimes we can get so proud, we can get separated from the world that we cannot even help to mend a broken heart that's in need of the gospel. And people are a mess today. Would you agree? People are a mess, man. And if we just murmur and complain about them instead of trying to reach them with the gospel, we're not helping them at all. <laughs> But what we've got to do is reach down. Hey, listen, how many of you like it when someone reaches out to you when you're hurting, when you need help, when you are struggling, and someone just reaches down and just that, just that little touch. Now, I want to tell you something. I've been asking this church to pray for my sister Lisa. I believe many of you are. Lisa is an alcoholic. If you would see the dialogue that I've been having with my sister since the 26th of September. It's been amazing. And I went down to see her, Brother Chris. I, I, I was choked up. And, and I'm sitting there, and she professed to me, I am an alcoholic, and I need help. And I, and I said, Lisa, I said, let me help you. And she said, okay. I believe that came through the prayers of this church. And I've got family that's murmuring and complaining about my sister and talking about her attitude and her spirit. And I came to Calvary Chapel and I said, would you folks please pray for my sister? I am praying God move her from where she is off of that alcohol into the house of God. <laughs> she just sent me a text before I got here. And man, I'm telling you, <laughs> I was elated. I said, you know, I, I need to talk to you again. You know what she said to me? It was so good to hear your voice. That's huge, man. And I, and I can murmur and I can complain about my sister or I can try to reach her with the truth of the gospel. I'm praying I reach her with the truth of the gospel, amen? I'm praying that the Lord save her soul. Listen, we need to be able to reach out to those people and help mend some of those broken hearts through the power of the word of God. This is not the believer falling into sin, but reaching out to the sinner. We don't have to fall into sin. I don't have to become an alcoholic to reach my sister. I need to reach out to her because she is an alcoholic, amen? And I, I need to reach her with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, because I'm trying to reach her doesn't make me a sinner. What it is is I'm trying to reach the sinner with the gospel. And we will not reach the lost just by preaching inside these four walls. Just by me standing up here and telling you this, we cannot reach people just by me talking to you about it. We actually have to put feet to this thing. We actually have to talk to people about Jesus. That's how people get saved. That's how I got saved. Somebody told me about Jesus. How did you get saved? Somebody had to tell you about Jesus Christ. And the thing of it is, is we can murmur and complain about the sin and the sins of this world, or we can reach people with the gospel. You know, between the murmuring and the joy of heaven, there's one sinner that repenteth. Amen? And that's the challenge of our hearts. So as I look at this, certainly there'll be murmuring, perhaps 
some of the community, maybe in the church or others that have a more pharisaical view of things, but there's joy in heaven when the lost come to the gospel of Christ. You know, the Lord used an illustration here that the murmurs will understand to demonstrate the need. In verses 3 through 6, he goes on with a parable, and, and you know, Jesus is telling this story of this lost sheep, and, and so it's a story that he's using. It's an it's a, it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning is the way I put it when we talk about parables, and we've heard the messages spoken on the dumb animal, the sheep, but let me emphasize something. This is specific. This is a person in a dire situation. And we have to see it as that. We don't know when the trump will sound. And we don't know when the dead in Christ shall rise. But I know this, it's going to happen. And when it does, I desire for my entire family to know Jesus Christ. I would love for all of Minster to go on up with us. I would like to see people uh, get saved and, and God turn people's lives around and see the love and the joy there is in Christ Jesus. This is about the one who knows not where they're going, and we must go and find them and lead them in the right direction. And sometimes, folks, that takes effort. That takes work to go and get people. Because even after we find them, there's something called discipleship. People need to grow in the Lord. They, they don't need to just come in and get saved. And, and you think by them just sitting, no, we have to reach out to them even at that point. Because I want you to understand, when this man brought this guy back, he shouldered him, he rejoiced, and he layeth that burden on his own shoulders, and he brought him in rejoicing, telling his neighbors and his friends and everybody else around him, listen, when we win somebody to Christ and we bring them to church, we ought to rejoice as a church body, amen? We ought to start getting excited. When we have visitors walk through the door, we ought to get excited about the fact that they're here. We ought to start rejoicing in our hearts and getting excited about what God is doing. And when he does that, we ought to get excited. Listen, I'm excited Anna's here tonight. I am excited Dean's here tonight. I'm excited that you're here tonight, but I want to tell you something. When the visitors come through the door and God starts speaking to hearts, listen, that's an exciting thing. And we ought to rejoice as neighbors, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to get excited about that. You know why? That brings joy to heaven. <laughs> when I look at this, we can get so focused on what we're doing, we lose sight of what's most needful. How many of you understand what I just said? <laughs> we get so focused on what we're doing, we lose sight of what's most needful. Do you remember anybody in the scriptures like that? Let's look at a passage of scripture. Go to Luke 10. Look at verse 38. Everybody with me, say amen. Now it came to pass as they went they, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is what? You ought to underline that in your Bible. One thing's needful. Amen? One thing's needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want you to notice this. Martha, Martha, thou art troubled, careful and troubled about many things. 
things. And here's the idea. What it is is that in verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his what? Now, I want you to notice in verse 15, chapter 15, look at verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the public and sinners for to what? Hear him. We have to get them here so that they can hear him. And you say, well, preacher, you're not the Lord. No, I'm not, but I'm preaching the word of God. And listen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of what? God. God's the one that speaks to their heart, not me. And here's the challenge that we have, to be able to bring them into close proximity. Mary got focused on Jesus and not all that was going on around her. And sometimes we get focused on the wrong things, but we need to get focused on Christ and realize what he's focused on is preaching his word, (laughs) getting his word to people, getting his word out to folks. That's the most important thing that we can do. And sometimes we just get bogged down into the details. Notice that while returning with the sheep, he was carrying the lost one on his shoulders and no that reaching the unsaved, once reached, that's when the work begins. (laughs) Once you reach them, that's where the real work begins. Once you reach somebody with the gospel, not just winning them to Christ, but reaching them with the gospel and then discipling that soul, that's where the work is. That is staying in touch with them. That's going to pick them up and bringing them to church when you have opportunity. That's reaching out to them throughout the week and saying, hey, is there anything I can help you with? Can I, can I do something for you? Can I, can I help you with this? Can I reach out to them in some way just to encourage them that way? Send them a text. Call them. Uh, send them an email. Uh, invite them out. Maybe go have a cup of coffee with them. Go do something with them. But listen, that's what it takes. That's when the effort starts, Right? And so we go and we win them to Christ, but listen, we have to disciple that soul as well. In Galatians 6.2, it talks about, uh, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. But he says this, in that same passage, he says, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, a sin-sick soul is burdened, amen? And what they need is Jesus Christ. If we're going to fulfill the law of Christ, that is the love of God. (laughs) That's us giving them Christ and Christ Jesus. Now think about this. See that when they brought them them home, they were gathering and reaching out. And listen, there was rejoicing. There was fellowshipping over this one that was lost. And you know, we just sang bringing in the sheaves, right? (laughs) You know, Psalm 126 Verse 6, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious sheaves, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his what? Sheaves with him. The thing of it is, is that it takes some weeping, doesn't it? When's the last time you've wept over a soul? When's the last time you said, hey, Jesus, listen, I'm burdened. Hey, folks, I'm burdened for my sister. I can't tell you how heavy that burden is. See, I knew her when she was just a little girl. I know that sweet spirit and that soul and I'm looking at where she is today and man, it just ripped your heart out. And I say to myself, how do I reach her, Brother Dustin? The only thing I know is the Word of God. I've been sending her verses every day and I don't know really whether she's saved or not. She said she was, but I don't know whether she is or not, but I'm sending her scripture because I know that the gospel is the only thing that's going to help her. Now listen, if I can have that burden for my sister, I can have that same burden for people around me. And I do. And Miss Ann, I want nothing more 
than to see Scott Evans in this church Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm going to do my very best, and I want you to start praying that he come here Sunday morning with us. I want to see that man come here because I want to know that he knows Jesus Christ as his Savior. That man's heart was so burdened. If I told you what he told me, he was overwhelmed. And the thing of it is, is he needed someone to speak to him and tell him truth. <laughs> That's what he needed. And you know, there are sinners all around us. Now, we can murmur and complain about them. We can get upset about them. Or we can take them and throw them on our shoulders and bring them in and start rejoicing as neighbors and friends and saying, hey, here's what needs to be done. You know, each of us should have a heart for those lost sheep. And here's the standard that we have to set. We must bring them in close proximity to Christ. You know, just like Brother, just like Brother Bennett was talking about, those guys did everything they could to get that man to Jesus. And I'm sharing with you that's what we've got to do. Do everything we can to get them to Jesus. There's one thing between the loss and the joy of heaven. <laughs> he said, I found my sheep, which was lost. That brought joy to heaven. Look at the verse with me. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Folks, that's why I tell you it's not a full auditorium. It's the heart of the people that are sitting there. It's the heart of the people that are sitting there. What's our hearts like? What's our attitude like? What's our spirit like? And the thing of it is, is that there's lost people out there that have no Christ. They're on their way to hell. And the only hope they have is maybe you speaking to them about Jesus Christ, about telling them about it. You know, folks, I share this with you because this is very personal to me, and I cannot understand what he saw in me. <laughs> I can't understand why he carried me to his cross. I don't know why he did that. I mean, a disrespectful person, ungodly, wicked individual, and he carried me to his cross. You know, I'm an imperfect soul. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I don't see myself as perfect. I see myself as very imperfect. <laughs> but I'm so grateful that the perfect one went to the cross for me. When I look to the scriptures and I think about this, the sin that separated my soul from God the Father, I couldn't reconcile that. I couldn't make it right. And you know, folks, if I couldn't make it right, not a single soul out there that's lost or a single soul that's sitting in here that's lost cannot reconcile themselves unto God. The only thing that's going to do it is Jesus Christ. We can murmur and complain about them, or we can shoulder them and bring them in and get them in close, close proximity to hear him. And when I share that with you, I think about this, the lost sheep, the imperfect person. You know, this heart is the one that said, crucify him. And he took it away from me. <laughs> and he gave me a new heart, didn't he? He gave me a new spirit. And when I think about it, it was me that said, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And yet God decided to love me anyway. You know, there's one thing between the lost and the joy, and that is I found my lost sheep. Many can even speak comfortably, and I want to share this with you. When I think about there's so many sin-sick people out there wandering around, folks, and listen, we're trying to move heathens to holy living. <laughs> and we're on that path ourselves, Amen. <laughs> And we're trying to move heathens to holy living. And when I think about this, many can speak comfortably that they're a sinner. Brother Dukes experienced this while he was out. They don't have any problem just telling you that they're a sinner. 
But really identifying what that sin's going to do for them is a whole different story, isn't it? And what it is is that when you understand their sin-sick condition and where they really are and what's really going to happen to them, you see, they, they respond almost nonchalantly, yeah, I'm a sinner. But the fact is, is that what is the results, the consequences of that sin? What is it going to do to them? And I think many people speak comfortably that they're a sinner, but they need to recognize that that sin that is present is what's keeping them separated from an eternal heaven, from an eternal Savior. And the lost have to truly see their sin condition, that they'll understand their need for a Savior, but most have to be brought to the place of understanding that they are lost before they can be found. Because some sheep don't even know they're lost. (laughs) And we're out looking for them. And the thing of it is, they don't even know they're lost. And sometimes you've got to help them understand they are lost. Their souls are destined for a location. And it's going to spend an eternity there. And God is looking to us to fill that role of bringing them into close proximity to him so that they might hear this truth. You know, folks, repentance is not a simple prayer. It's not just praying. It's not repentance. The prayer is is that you're counting on Jesus Christ (laughs) to take your soul to heaven. You're counting on him and him alone. You see, sin is what separates that lost person from Christ. And, And to turn from that and unto Christ. And and the idea is repentance is not a simple prayer, but clearly a sinner turning unto the Savior for salvation and from their sin-sick condition. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and Brother Duke is working on this, and he's going to bring more information on it on Sunday. We're going to start and and teach a soul-winning course. It's only going to be six weeks, right? Six weeks, five weeks, five weeks. And uh, we're looking at a day, date, and time to make all that happen. And uh, Brother Duke's going to teach that for us. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know how to win anybody to Christ. I don't know how to talk to anybody about Jesus. Go to the class. Go to the class. He'll teach you how to do that. He'll teach you how to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. He'll teach you how to win some sick soul to Christ Jesus. And so I look at this, and as he's come, and we've talked about this many times, The idea is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. It's to take them from the power of Satan unto God. And and listen, folks, people are under the power of Satan. And they need God. And God wants to use you, Calvary Chapel, to be that that's in between there, between the murmuring and the joy of heaven, us going out and reaching and shouldering those sinners and putting them on our backs and bringing them in close proximity to hear him, to hear him. And listen, share the gospel with them. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. I want to challenge all of us. Let's work together. The class is, uh, he'll give you the information on it on Sunday morning. Just go to the class. It won't hurt you. I promise you. It'll teach you something. And it'll teach you how to approach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It'll teach you how to speak to them about Christ. Now listen, folks, the easiest thing in the world, how many of you know this, is to be a critic and to complain? How many of you know that? The easiest thing in the world to do is to be a critic and complain. Would you agree? Just say amen. Amen? Amen? It's easy to be a critic and complain about people. You know, it's hard to help them with where they are and to move them closer to Christ Jesus. And to move them requires the power of God and His Word to accomplish that goal. And we got to work together as a team. we got to do this together. 
and, and we got to forego any murmuring or listening to any murmuring and reaching the lost and knowing there shall be joy in heaven as we reach them. Let's pray.